a Podcast One production. I believe that self-awareness is only valuable when you understand how that shows up with others. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX-listed companies. And this is Fast Track. This is part two of self-awareness. In this episode, we extend the conversation and look at our impact on others. My guest, Susan Ferrier, Group Executive of People and Culture at National Australia Bank. Many people go through their work lives without any knowledge of the impact they have on those around them. If we can be in touch with how we feel and think and behave, be self-aware, then we have a greater chance of understanding the impact we have on our peers, employees, leaders, and even our customers. It's our relationships that actually predicate our success. We get to be truly successful when we understand this impact. In this episode, Susan and I are going to dive into the idea and the ability to understand the impact we have on others at work. Susan, previously we've talked about being self-aware, but let's extend this out. What does it mean to be self-aware about your impact on everybody else? Self-awareness on its own is a intellectual, potentially fruitless exercise because I believe that self-awareness is only valuable when you understand how that shows up with others. Otherwise, it's, it's information that you have in your head and in your heart and it, there's no demonstrable uh, impact out there in the world. So for me, when you have an element of self-awareness, you need to be able to convert that very quickly in how that is seen in the world and, and the impact of what your behaviour and conduct has on those around you. And you need to be, I think doing that in a way where you are consciously messaging that you understand how that impact shows up. So what people see is not necessarily your self-awareness. They see either your conduct or your behavior. They may get a glimpse of your self-awareness if you share verbally what it is that you think is going on in your in, in a world that is leading to the conduct or the behaviour that someone else is seeing. So I think if you're able to create this interchange of information that goes out to an individual about how you see yourself, you can be consciously affirming or validating or even receiving information that challenges what you think you might have as an insight but actually gets seen in a different way in the world. So I think that's something that you need to actively work on as a habit as well. And you can do that in multiple ways. You can do that through humour. You know, sometimes, you know, if you've generated some insight around something like the, you know, the VIA Strength Survey, for instance, you can be using the kind of language that we talked about in our last episode, which is, oh my goodness, that's my courage in overplay. Sorry about that. Um, so you can I'll use... I'll dial it down next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah I'll so, dial that down. Or is that true? Is that what you're seeing right now? Because I'm feeling it. Um, is that what you're seeing as well, particularly if you've got that shared language around the VIA strengths, for instance? 
or you can nip it in the bud because you can see that of the impact. You can see what the impact is and you can not even go for validation. You can just say, I think I might need to dial that down a bit, don't you? So I think that's a strategy or a technique that you you can use to understand the impact of of that knowledge you have in self-awareness and how that is either limiting others or generating expansion in in others. Because I think often when you understand your strengths and weaknesses, they can work. Both strengths and weaknesses can be limiting in others because they feel overshadowed or made smaller because your strength is on 10 as opposed to maybe it should be on six. Uh, and your, yes, and your weaknesses often can be also impacting others in a way in which they feel less than what they could be. Yeah, I've got a client who's so really zesty. So they just have so much energy and enthusiasm. Mm. And this is a great strength because they mm. build positivity in a mm. room and everybody knows that the energy will come in, but sometimes they suck the energy out of the room mm. and they had no idea mm. of that impact on mm. anyone else. Mm. I've got another client who walked in and said hello to everyone, shouting it from the top of her voice with lots of energy, walked through a room of 100 people and went to a desk and closed her, her office and was getting terrible scores. Mm. and couldn't work it out. The impact on others was they felt she wasn't genuine. Yeah. She just felt she was covering a lot of people really quickly. <laughs> so I, I continue to, I, I think this is where our big surprises come mm. in self-awareness. Mm. We can often tune into how we feel, mm. but we we actually get the big surprises about how we make other people feel. Yes. And that's such a lasting impression. Yes, yes, it is. And you have to go digging for that information because it often doesn't get shared with you because of the dissonance. Because if you've got, as you're saying in your examples, if you've got this self-knowledge around wanting to be, in the case that you just described, someone who is able to say good morning to everybody but at the same time then disappears behind a closed door, you're not going to get information about the impact of that unless you go looking for it. And yeah. before you were talking about messages, and I, I, I have always admired the way that you're in your leadership, how you've messaged uh, to your teams and your businesses exactly what you want. But Dev, I've got other clients who give messages out to the world that are confusing and they don't have any awareness of the messages that they're delivering and there's this dissonance as you describe. Mm. So self-awareness really is not good enough on its own. We really have to take that next step yep. into understanding the impact on others. So it, could we call it a social intelligence, the need to focus on relationships? Are you suggesting that the definition of social intelligence is... But having self-awareness and then understanding that the impact on others? Potentially. What mm. do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I think that's an interesting idea. I think you probably, there needs to probably be a bit more of an interchange, doesn't there? So you need to have also curiously looked for what's in the other person as well. It's not just a one-way understanding yourself and understanding impact on the other um, individual. I think social intelligence is about understanding collective systems. It's much more than just a one-way street. Okay, so in a team, how would that work? I think you'd be creating a conversation in which the team 
understands itself as a collective and the impact of the team as a collective, as well as what's happening um, at the individual level, as well, as well as what's happening in the network of relationships that are in that team. So this is fascinating, you know, like we can be really simplistic and say, oh, I'm self-aware, I understand what I feel and think and do um, and why that might be occurring for me and what my triggers are. And then we can say, oh, my impact on you, Susan, is this because I am like this. But really, we get into a systems thinking Mm. pace where Mm. the impact can be, have a ripple effect. Yes, multidimensional. I'm fascinated by that as a concept Mm. Mm. here that we're building and building and building right through to a culture in an organisation potentially. Mm. Mm. As you said that, as you drew that link at the end, I was wondering whether or not it's impossible to shape culture unless there is significant levels of self-awareness in, in an organisation. I think unless you start with that, it's nigh impossible to shift culture. That's interesting and I totally agree and I think that's often something that's missing that Mm. you called it a cornerstone in our last episode Mm. and foundation for everything Mm. and people are out calling what the culture should be like Mm. but the awareness levels aren't coming from an individual level. Mm. So if you think about the iceberg, Mm. you know, all we can see are people's behaviour but underneath we've got beliefs and thinking and, you know, our experience and our values. Unless all of those are pulled together in some explicit way and through the lens of self-awareness, mm. then we probably can't yeah. receive the, create the culture yeah. that we're trying to do so. That's and right. And we know how important that is in organisations. Yeah, because yeah. I think culture is shaped through relationships and it's not something that's shaped through spreadsheets and programs and... Or five words on a wall. Or five words on a wall. It's shaped through how people show up, particularly senior leaders. It's shaped right from the top in most organisations. I think there are probably some organisations in the world where they've managed to create this extremely uber-empowered organisation where culture is shaped at grassroots level and it's... They've got very explicit culture uh, agenda, which is held by the collective, not necessarily tone for a set from the top. Um, but, but I think in most organisations we have right now, culture is set from the top and is enacted through relationship. And relationships are predicated on people's self-awareness. Yes. So I love the the waterfall there, that Mm. we're really understanding all of those things. Why don't we become self-aware and check in on our impact on others? Because it's so hard. Mm. It's it's so hard. It can be painful for many people. I know in the past I've experienced significant pain. So it's, it's hard. It's not something, you know, it's not like eating an ice cream. It's, you know, it's like eating... Castor oil. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, It also requires a sort of different level of focus because it's so inside us. It's not something that's a tangible skill. It's not like we're using our fingers to type in a spreadsheet or it's not like we are taking a scaffold for how to make a great speech. And it's more ephemeral, I think. It's more... uh, meandering, less controllable, 
And more. hard. Yeah, <laughs> just hard. <laughs> well, I forgot to be self-aware. Oh, whoops. Uh, you know, I've come to the results section. Oh, I forgot to check in on my relationships. And um, I think neglecting relationships is a, is a, a major career derailer for mm. most people, not paying attention to yeah. the relationships and the quality of those relationships. Yeah. One of the things that I often talk about is that relationships are messy. Mm. And in a world where we are able to hide behind uh, technology and we are able to edit our communications, mm. that we're not very experienced anymore at navigating the relationships that can be messy and mm. require openness and mm. difficult conversations. So uh, I'm, I do think it's important for us to normalise and understand that this is an easy thing to avoid. Mm. So, Compounded by, as you say, technology now, both work style types of technology, but also non-work style. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm thinking about it's easy to disappear into a world of Instagram and Twitter and traversing a world where you're observing others rather than being in relationship. I think we've got much more of a pattern or a habit around that sort of style of being in the world now, which has been facilitated a little bit by some of the newer platforms. So, Susan, let's think practically for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had the concepts of how it impacts culture. I'm going to work. I'm turning up every day. I've got a load of things to do. How am I actually going to understand my impact on others on a daily basis in the workplace? You've talked about a couple of things in the in our episode earlier, but what is at hand for me to be able to really make this a daily practice or a mm. weekly practice? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've tried, that if I can speak personally for a sec, one of the things that I've tried to be much more rigorous about in my own, probably mostly work life, because I'm not sure if my children would let me get away with this at home, but I uh, have moved much more confidently down a route of asking for feedback. So I'll come out of a meeting and I'll say to somebody straight away, um, how was that? Give me one thing that I could have done better so that I can in the moment find something that I can immediately improve on as I'm heading off into my next meeting. And if they say, no, everything was fine, I will dig for it and say, no, just give me one thing, anything, just off the top of your head. It can be something small or something major. Uh, I've tried to get much more practiced and consistent what does on, that, on that practice. What does that give you? It, it doesn't send you into a spiral of I'm not good and bad self-talk. No, no. What it, does it give you then? It gives me something to practice on in my head as I'm heading into my next meeting. Because it's fast and in the moment and often totally simple, or if it's huge, I need to have some sort of controlling mechanism in my head, which is, oh my gosh, that's big. I'm going to need to come back and think about that later. But often it's not big. Often it's something that's tiny. And therefore I think it's an incremental thing that I can just shift without much pain. So it's a real self-coaching um, operation there because yeah. I know in coaching we're about incremental change, yeah. sustainable change yeah. in the moment, yeah. making sure people are yeah. checking in on yeah. how um, they are and what state they're in and 
that aligns with the values yeah. and the goals of that yeah. of that individual and yeah. organisation. Yeah. So I think feedback, you can gather feedback in a, in a micro moment like that or you can gather feedback through larger scale techniques that like we covered in the last episode, like 360 degree feedback or other types of um, processes. But I, I, I'm, I'm thinking increasingly of the view that it's those micro moment feedback information that you get that really help you just reorient and shift a few degrees and when they all add up, before you know it, you've established a completely different skill level or habit level. I was in a meeting yesterday with a CEO um, giving some feedback uh, about a meeting I'd been in and, and watching his executive team. And uh, I asked for feedback at the end and said, you know, how was the meeting? And he said, you're very frank. And I, de- I dug a bit deeper as you did and because I, I'm conscious that th- that honesty could be confronting mm. and um, I then checked if, how he had been feeling and he said, no, that's exactly what I wanted. But I thought about it a lot, quite, you know, extensively for hours and hours about my impact and was that really what I had wanted to do. Mm. And I was ruminating so much, I, I started to drive myself insane. So I had to come back to understand that self-awareness, understanding myself, understanding my impact on others. And one of the tools that I use usually is to set my intention Mm. and to be very mindful Mm. about what I want that person to feel, think and do as a result of their interaction with Mm. me. Mm. Yeah, I love that feel, think and do and that intent, that sort of uh, platform you establish for yourself around let's just do some thinking up front on intention um, and converting that thinking to words as well so that what the other individual is hearing is your intention as well. That's fascinating um, language yeah, and how powerful yeah, language yeah, can be. Yeah. So, um, again, example yesterday, coaching somebody who's in um, a developing nation in Asia and we, we, I got them to replay the conversation they were having with their leader that wasn't working and and there, there was clearly one or two words that may have a massive misalignment and different mm. meaning for each person. So there's so much that mm. we can do in mm. examining our daily interactions. Mm. Important though not to bash ourselves up. No, Would very important, very important to not bash yourself up. And also I think I love there's, um, the Brene Brown I'm probably not going to get this right, but the way that she says that she doesn't allow feedback from the cheap seats. Um, So she says, I'm happy to take feedback so long as I'm getting it from someone who are either rumbling in the mud with me or very nearby. But if they're sitting up the back in the cheap, cheap seats... I give myself permission to discount that feedback. I love that. I love it's that a sort great of great mental yeah, model. Yeah, it is a, it's a yeah, really low yeah, mental. Yeah, image. I may not have got that completely right, but yeah. I really, I, I, I love, I love that sort of giving yourself permission to say, you know what, that's feedback that I choose to ignore in this moment. <laughs> I love it. And the other one is to be mindful of unqualified diagnosis is just judgment in disguise. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. If I'm not qual, if somebody's not qualified to actually analyse whether I have trust issues as a child, then I'm going to leave that one for someone who's actually a little bit more um, experienced. So we can do assessments, we can ask for feedback, we can check daily. How was our behaviour today? 
have we been the character or the person that we Mm. wanted to be? And we can use a number of tools and trusted people who've been in the mud with Mm. us to help us impact positively those around us Mm. to get the outcomes Mm. that we really want. And we know that neglecting relationships is not something that will bring us career success. Susan, thank you. This has been an interesting episode. And remember, make good choices and have a positive impact on others. Fast Track is produced in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the app or search Fast Track Career Conversations Podcast.